0: That will be coming up. Well, if you wouldn't mind, turn to Genesis chapter 46, and we're going to get going in a few minutes and go through 46 and about 12 verses in 47, so we're going to make some tracks tonight, but as I was studying God's Word and going over this, some things really jumped out at me that I think are important for me to share with you tonight. On how God had two names for our main character was the first one. You see, and it tells us in God's word in in the scripture, it says, And God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. You see, here he said, Israel and Jacob and two things. That sort of reminds me, I know with uh, my daughter, with our youngest grandson, his name is Christopher Michael. Well, it's Christopher when he's good. And about half of the time, it's Christopher Michael. All right? So he's got two names. You know? And we're going to see that here, which is interesting. His, na- his given name was Jacob, our main character, okay? A name that described his old nature. And then God had given him a new name, Israel. See, the old name transferred in- translated into schemer. And the new name ruled by God. Which one would you would rather have? I'd say the new one, right? Sometimes he's still called Jacob and sometimes Israel. We also have two names, don't we? The old nature of the flesh and the new nature of the spirit. Which lives do we hear the name more Sometimes we react according to our old natures and sometimes to our new. Is that not true? I think it is, right? Jacob was the name of his weakness, and Israel was the name of his strength. And I have a question Do you have two sides? Your church image? All right, when you walk onto our campus, everything's looking good, right? And what about that image when a waitress messes up your meal, or somebody cuts you off? Never happened to any of you? Yes? <laughs> and you'll see why I keep going like this, because I'm confused. You know, a lot of you know me with glasses. I've wore glasses all my life since fourth grade. <coughs> and now I don't, but I keep going like this, because I think I need glasses up here. Well, I do when I'm reading, but I don't want to see you. Well, let's all turn to, to 46 in Genesis, chapter 46, and we'll get going with our text here. So Israel set out with all that was his. And when he reached Beersheba, Be- Be- he offered sacrifices to God, to the God of his father, Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said... "'Jacob, Jacob, here I am,' he replied. "'I am God, the God of your father.'" We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. He said, "'Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, "'for I will make you into a great nation there. "'I will go down to Egypt with you, "'and I will surely bring you back again. "'And Joseph's own hands will close your eyes.'" Then Jacob left Beersheba, and Israel's sons took their father Jacob and their children and their wives in the carts that Pharaoh had sent to transport him. They also took with them their livestock and the possessions they had acquired in Canaan. And Jacob and all of his offerings, offspring went to Egypt. Verse 7 says, He took with him to Egypt his sons and grandsons, And his daughters and granddaughters, all his offspring. You see, we see from when we were in Genesis 45, when Pastor Bob was teaching, that Israel was ready and excited for this trip. You ever been ready and excited for a trip? I have on the screen a saying that I heard a while back excitement and eager anticipation often help us to gain the strength for a new venture. Now, Tina and I travel up to Georgia quite often. Both our boys and their families are up in Georgia. I don't like that trip at all. You know what I mean? But I'm always excited to see the kids and the grandchildren. So that makes the trip worthwhile. Otherwise, if I had to drive, what's an eight hour drive, but being that we're in our late 60s, you know the old kidney problem? So it turns into about nine and a half, ten hours. I hate the trip. But I'm anticipating, well, we only got a little bit more and we're going to see the kids. We see now that Israel, or Jacob, has made it to Beersheba. And he is now looking at the rest of his journey. This would be like when we hit, um, go up to Daytona, you know. And then the next stop is St. Augustine. That's another stop. And always at Bunkies, you know. Ever going to Bunkies? So... Then it goes up to Macon, Georgia, and then we go up, you know, it breaks down. So here he's already hit one of his stops, but he's looking at the rest of the journey traveling through the Negev Valley wilderness where he must pass through to get to Egypt. And this would be, to me, I I translate it as when we get to downtown Atlanta, that's like the worst time of all times. No matter what time you go through, it's terrible, right? So now, I, I, that's what I look at. Like, this is downtown Atlanta. This cannot be an easy trip for a man of 130 years old, right? And I know at 67, what used to be an easy trip is now painstaking. So I can relate with this. Fear begins to take hold, though. We see this. Fear is taking hold of him. And he hesitates and builds an altar to sacrifice to the Lord. Does this happen to you when faith, fear creeps in? You know, when fear gets in there, you start pulling back. Do I really want to do this? And as a young boy, he lived around Beersheba, okay? And when he had fled, had to flee from his brother's wrath, it was through Beersheba that began his drip to Haran. You see, so he has a little history there. So it's also like he doesn't want to be there type of a thing. You know what I mean? So it's interesting that we see that. He was now leaving the comfort of his fam- familiar places. And it's important that we understand that, that provided a certain amount of security. You see, we get in our comfort zone. You ever get in your comfort zone? Where, where's your safe place, right? And now all of a sudden you got to leave that to make this journey. Now he is setting out on this journey to a foreign land. And I have a question for you. Do you have any memories of leaving the security of your home to go to some unknown place? Any of you ever happen to do a long move? Like when we moved from New Jersey, I quit my job. The Lord told me he had a special job for me. And we packed up two little boys and traveled down to Florida with no job. And God blessed us right away. But that was a long trip. As we were going down on auto train with two little kids, no job, I'm saying, what in the heck am I doing? But God told me and Tina clearly that he had something special for us. And I'm here to say that it's been a beautiful journey. But it was tough at one time. But these, these were simple folks, these B- B- Bodeans, Bodeans. I I always mess that up, who dwelt in tents, living close to their nature. You see, they were just hanging out in tents. Now they had to head towards Egypt, a land of culture and sophistication, where shepherds were considered an abomination. You see, here they're shepherds, and now they're like moving into downtown Manhattan. You know, they're like, what in the heck? Where are we going to fit in? Where are we going to fit in? And from verse 1, we see in the beginning of it said, he offered sacrifices. Although he was excited, we know he was excited and blessed to be going to see Joseph, right? Whom he thought was dead at one time, right? Jacob still feels that he needs to stop and make some sacrifices to God to ensure that he is doing truly what is acceptable in the Lord's sight. Why would he feel he had to do this? That's a question you might want to ask. Maybe because he knows that his grandfather had also gone from Egypt in a time of famine and returned with a servant girl named Hagar. You remember that story probably. That set in motion a series of events which the Middle East is still paying the price right now. Maybe he wanted to make sure he was really hearing the right thing. Is there a vision that the Lord, and and it is a vision here that the Lord speaks to him. And I have another question. Do you ever question what you've been told by the Holy Spirit? Have you ever done that? You know the Holy Spirit's telling you to do something. And you say, well, I don't know if I'm hearing you right. You sure, Holy Spirit? Do you really really know that that's going to be good? I'm sure we've all encountered that. Do you ever put out a fleece? You ever heard of putting a fleece out to make sure that you're hearing from God like Gideon did back in Judges? Tina does the thing when we have a joke when we say, she says, well, I'm going to take a nap. And I say, you really want to do that? She says, well, I'm going to throw a fleece out and see. You know what that fleece is? When she lays on the bed. Right? But we see here, do we sometimes do that? When the Lord tells us to do something, we say, well, if the person at Starbucks puts the top on the cup this way, then I'll listen. You ever have that? I've seen some of you in Starbucks doing that. So we got to be careful that we don't do that because we don't want to get into the place of throwing a fleece out because we as born-again believers, if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit does not speak in confusion, does he? We're the ones that make it confusing. We're like, do you really mean that? He tells you real clearly. He uses picture books. He doesn't use calculus books. But a lot of times we make it very confusing. But here, knowing Jacob's anxieties, God appears to him in a vision. And the first point I have, I have six points for you. The first one I have is never allow your emotions to block you from the powers of God. Never allow your emotions. And verse 3, from verse 3, we saw where it says, the God of his Father. And this made me think. I want to ask you if any of you are worshiping the God of someone else. Now we know. There, listen to me. We know there's only one God, right? We all believe there's only one God, right? I hope so. Okay, but some of us are trying to live for that God of our spouse, our child, our friend. You see, and what I want to tell you here is God wants a personal relationship with all of us, and He deals with all of us individually perfectly. So when we see this, don't try to live up to the God of your friend or your neighbor or somebody else or your pastor. Live up to that personal God that wants to speak to you in a special way. Do you understand what I'm saying, folks? Or are you striving to have that relationship with somebody else? Is God. And I look at it this way. How many of you wear T-shirts from a college or a team? Dave Barnes, our other past, one of our other pastors, insists on wearing Miami Dolphin stuff. you got to pray for him to be delivered. <laughs> but how many? Like I have all these T-shirts from different colleges, and I'm a big wrestling fan, so people from different colleges send me shirts like Ohio State, Penn State, Palm Bay High School wrestling, Heritage wrestling, Bayside wrestling. How can I be on all these teams? And people will go, oh, did you wrestle at Penn State? And I'm like, do I want to lie to them and think I'm a real stud? (laughs) No. And I got to say, no, I didn't. And then somebody will see me in Ohio State shirt. You go to Ohio State? No. But here's what I want to say. It's almost the same thing when we're living for somebody else's God. You see, we want a sincere relationship with the Lord, a personal relationship. And then it goes on to verse 3. It says, don't be afraid. You see, God said he would go with him, did he not? God said he would go with him. Do you know that God always wants to be with him and you? You see, God always wants to be with you. I have a thing on the screen. It says, always listen and obey God's direction. He always wants only the best for you. Always the best for you. Verse 7, we saw where it says, He took with him his sons, grandsons, daughters, and granddaughters, and all his offspring. God's will is that none shall perish, folks. This does not mean that the whole family is automatically saved if their parents are believers. But it does mean that as a believing parent, for us as parents here, if you're a parent and you believe in Jesus Christ, now I'm sure there's many people in here that have children or relatives that aren't walking with the Lord. Don't take that as something you messed up. But we see here that God's telling us very clearly that being a believing parent you can expect God to work in the rest of your family as they are obedient to God's word. You see we need to pray that they're obedient to God's word and I want to take a second just to lift up all those prodigals. Let's just pray quickly Father God I know there's many people here that have prodigals In their lives, may their children, grandchildren, parents, brothers, or sisters. We lift them all up to you right now. And we pray, Lord God, that they will come to know you. And they will come to worship you with all of their hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You see, and then we see on the screen, I have Acts 16, 31, where it says, They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. That should give us great hope, folks, should give us great hope. And we see also in verse 3 that it says, God calls him by his name of weakness, right? God is meeting him in his weakness. Point number two, God is so good, always wanting to meet us in our places of weakness. That's for all of us. He wants to meet us right where we're at. Remember when Paul said that he is glorified in his weakness. For when he is weak, then he was strong. For God's strength was made perfect in what? His weakness. And you see on this screen, I have 2 Corinthians 12.10. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, Jacob had a good reason to be afraid, did he not? He was an old man, and he was venturing out to an unfamiliar territory. We were up in South Carolina at a beautiful resort, personal resort. It was a resort personal place that somebody loaned us, and we decided to take a trip to the Ark Museum. Well, I put it on my phone to the shortest way to get to Kentucky to the Ark Museum. And it took me through every country road in the Carolinas. And we left the place at 4 a.m., and it was raining and dark. And if any of you have been up in the Carolinas, the roads are about this thin and a lot of trucks. So I know what Jacob was going through because I rededicated my life about 37 times. (laughs) But we did get there eventually. You see, he was going to an idolatrous country. The Egyptians worshipped everything from cats to crocodiles. I put cats in there because I know Pastor Dave loves cats. Jacob have lived close to nature and close to God. You see, he had a simple relationship with the one true God. You see, that's what we need. We need a simple relationship with God. We don't need a complicated life with God. We make it complicated. God says, keep it simple. God says, keep it simple. Just love me with all your heart. That's all we got to do. That's all we got to do. There are indications that this could have an adver- adverse effects on the future of his descendants because this is what he was worried about. He'd come from a real simple place, a real simple little country place, all right? But then he's thinking, what's gonna happen to my family? You see, his grandfather, Abraham, had a night vision that terrified him, and the Lord told him that his descendants would be strangers in a land for 400 years. But afterwards, the Lord would deliver them. But you see, there's two sides to that, right? Being strangers for 400 years and then being delivered. Could this possibly be the beginning of, of that 400 years out of the land of promise? You see, the new land would bring his family into new temptations. His sons were not the most honorable people already. We've seen that. They had shown their tendencies towards evil many times. And when we go on later on in the next chapter, okay, uh, 48, we're going to see some of the, that being dealt with. What will happen to them when they are faced with the added temptations and allurements of cultural Egypt? You see, he's worried well, what are my kids going to do? They're already on slippery slopes, right? And now I'm taking them to downtown Manhattan. Bars and everything all over the place, right? What's going to happen to them? And I have a little story for you. There was a little boy who kept falling out of his bed. When his mom asked him why, he said, I guess I'm staying too close to where I get in. Right? And I want to say something to you here. I have it on the screen. The closer you are to the edge of a cliff the closer you are to disaster. So why, I ask you, do some of us get so close to a life of sin and just try to walk next to that edge? You get where I'm going, folks? It's important. Get away from the edge. Don't stay so close so you fall over. You see, God wanted to remove his fear. God does not want his children to fear. The Bible tells us that fear has torment. God does not want to see you to be tormented by fear. And it tells us on 1 John 4, 8, you'll see it on the screen, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Fear makes you unhappy. God wants his children to have a fullness of joy. That's you, folks. He doesn't want us to be in a fearful life. He doesn't want us to fear things. God has a way of draining, excuse me, fear has a way of draining you. It's very debilitating. And point number three you'll see on the screen Don't let fear keep you from living a fulfilled life with the Lord. The Lord removed his fears. He called him by his name, Jacob, Jacob. It should be comforting to know that God knows your name also. And I believe that many times, and I I don't listen real well, Sure, Tina will test it at. But I know God says, Norm, Norm, I want to talk with you. And I'm too busy trying to fix the situation that I'm in. Sometimes, because of our circumstances, we think that God has forgotten us. Fear belongs to our old nature. So, as Jacob feared, God called him by his old name. God knows him by his new name also. There there were times when God called him Israel. He was on good terms with God. When God called him by his name, he answered, Here I am. It is good to have a close relationship with God, is it not? To be on speaking terms with him. And I want to read a scripture. You can jot it down, just the, the address, Proverbs 16, 7. Proverbs 16, 7. It says, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. And as I said in our opening, when God speaks to you, he keeps the conversation going, right? When God speaks to you, how do we do that? Converse with God. That's why a lot of people say quiet time. I like to say quality time because how can it be quiet time If I'm talking to God, he's talking to me. That's why I like to call it quality time, right? Get used to talking to God. He loves to have the conversation. He loves to talk. He assured him of who he was. He said, I am God, the God of your fathers. When Jeremiah was facing overwhelming circumstances, he remembered, and I have a bunch of scriptures that I'm just going to read for lack of time, But Jeremiah 32, 17, you can jot it down. Ah, sovereign Lord, he said, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And when Paul was up to it, he held on to what he says in Romans 8, 31. If God is for you, who can be against you? I love that scripture. If God is for you and... If my wife would say, you know, that Michael W. Smith, he says that, right? And Tina always tries to out-sing him and say, since God is for you, right? Because we all know that God is for us, correct? But we need to hold on to that. Since God is for you, nothing can be against you. When David was being hunted down, he got a lot of comfort from Psalm 27.1. 3. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besieges me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be comforted. And David had a lot going against him, right? God also gave Israel or Jacob. We'll use them both together here. Wonderful promises of the future and does the same for us. He got promises for us too, right? God was promising that he would make Jacob a great nation in Egypt. And God promised to go with him. We'll see point number four on the screen. Don't let the unknown future cause you to live in fear. Let God's presence in you help you dispel fear. Do you know God is present in all of you? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? And I have another scripture here in Isaiah 41. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I'll help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. Verse 4 talks about the promise to bring him back. I will surely bring you back again, he said. You see, God told him that he will not have to forfeit the promise of the land by going to Egypt. He told him he was going to bring them back. The promise that this land will be given to your descendants still holds, God was telling him. The promises of God are certain. They shall not fail. Verse 4 also talks about Joseph shall close your eyes. You will survive the journey, he's telling him. You will soon be seeing your son that you loved and grieved over so many years. He will put his hands on your eyes, he says. This is a reference to his being with with Joseph when he dies. You see, he will put his hand on his eyes to close them. Are any of you at any crossroads in your life right now? Major decisions in your lives, whatever it might be. Are you paralyzed by fear? Your Father in heaven does not want you to fear, folks. If you can hear his voice, he is calling you by name. He is promising to go with you and to be with you. So when you're going on this journey, whatever it might be, and fear is creeping in, who's going to be there to hold your hand? God. He is not going to leave you alone. He is not going to leave you alone. And that should bring great hope to you. Point number five, the greatest benefits of being a child of God is we can face life with confidence. If you're a child of God, are you confident? That God is going to walk through you with life, through, your, through life, with you. That's something we all need to ask ourselves. We can have that assurance that wherever we go, God will be with us, helping us, He will work out all, everything in our lives to be that perfect plan in our lives. Here's the key. Are you in God's will? You see, when we make a bad decision and we know we're outside God's will and then all of a sudden we say, God, you were supposed to make it good for me. No, that's not true, is it? we got to be in God's will. And that's something I try to ask God every morning. And guess what? Sometimes I get outside God's will. But God's very patient with me. Usually. Sometimes he has to shake me like a rag doll. But usually he's very patient because I ask him, God, when I get out of bounds, please help me get back on track. And he usually does it very nicely, very gently. Now we're going to skip over 46, 8 through 27. It's a long list about uh, all the names. I'm not, we don't have time to go through that. We're going to pick up in verse 28, if you can jump down to 28 for me. Now Jacob sent Joseph, uh, Judah, excuse me. Now Jacob sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to get directions to Goshen, when they arrived in the region of Goshen, and this is pretty cool, Goshen, there's a beautiful place that my niece used to live in Goshen, New York. It's a beautiful place. That's, that's free. You don't have to pay for that. When they arrived in the region of of Goshen, Joseph had his chariot made ready and went to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as Joseph appeared before him, he threw his arms around his father and wept for a long time. Israel said to Joseph, now I am ready to die since I have seen for myself you are still alive. After 22 years, Joseph is reunited with his father, Jacob. This reunion was another confirmation to Jacob that God's promises were good and dependable, even when it looks like something will not work out. And here we go. When you're down to nothing, God is up to what? Something. Interesting fact, Goshen means to draw near, Judah means to praise. It's not a coincidence that Judah led the way to Goshen. And I want to read something from Psalm 104 4 through 5. Psalm 100, 4 through 5. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations and I have a thing that I I read a long time ago and I I just love this praise is the soil that allows the fruit of joy to thrive praise draws us to be cognizant of the the Lord's presence what a reunion Israel had with his son that he thought his son was dead now he sees he's alive how exciting is that picking up on 46, 31, we see, Then Joseph said to his brothers and his father's household, I will go up and speak to Pharaoh and will say to him, My brothers and my father's household who were living in the land of Canaan have come to me. The men are shepherds. They tend livestock, and they have bought along their flocks and their herds and everything they own. And then it goes on in 33 when Pharaoh calls you in and asks, What is your occupation? You should answer, Your servants have tended livestock from our boyhood on, just as our fathers did. Then you will be allowed to settle in the region of Goshen, for all shepherds are destitute, uh, detestable to the Egyptians. Following this reunion, Joseph became a mediator for his family, we see here. And he goes before Pharaoh on their behalf. My friends, after Jesus died for our sins and ascended into heaven, he sits at the right hand of God, interceding for you. Hebrews 7.25 is on the screen. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to do what? To intercede for them. Joseph not only intercedes for his brothers but he also instructs them saying when you go before Pharaoh and he asks for your occupation tell them you are shepherds. Why did he do this? Because shepherds are at the bottom of the system. Bottom of the food chain of all of them. Shepherds were untouchable. People did not interact with them. They were somewhat marked men, completely separated from the worldly Egyptian system. But you see, Joseph knew, and this is really, Joseph, a pretty smart dude, you know? He knew that if his brothers were not marked, in other words, cast off, they would most likely get absorbed into the Egyptian culture. You see, his whole plan was very strategic. He wanted to, you're shepherds, so everybody's like, all right, leave him alone. We don't want to hang out. We don't want to party with these guys because they smell like sheep. Right? So he does a little reverse psychology, which is pretty amazing. How can you be marked, I ask? How can we be marked as Christians? By a bumper sticker, witness t-shirt, hat, openly carrying your Bible. You see, secret closet Christians can get into all kinds of trouble and are susceptible to walking into temptation needlessly. We need to identify ourselves, brothers and sisters, at every opportunity. Even if it makes you look like shepherds in our society, it can save our lives. You know, I talked about Witness T-shirts and all, all this stuff. Tina will tell you, I'm a, I'm a T-shirt hound. I like T-shirts, okay? If it was up to me, I would wear T-shirts all the time. And I got T-shirts from every team and all this other, jerseys and stuff. But when I was studying this, you know what God told me? And I only have two witness T-shirts, in all, and I, I'm serious, I got 20-plus T-shirts and sweatshirts. I got two witness T-shirts from the last two rs That's a pretty sad picture. You see, and I got convicted. And you know what the Lord told me? I want to see how much you really love me. I want you to change out these team shirts, which I'm pretty proud of. You know, I like people saying, oh, he was a Penn State wrestler. He's a bad boy, you know? Oh, he played for the New York Giants, <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I just, you know, I'll let them think that, you know? <laughs> but then they look and they see 57, uh, 56, and they see Lawrence Taylor. Now, he ain't Lawrence Taylor, but maybe you knew him, you know? But it's a sad thought, and I want to challenge you something, and, and how often do people, can people see you as a marked Christian? Can they see anything, or do they just think you work for Nike or Adidas or some team? And I'm not saying that's bad. You know, it's not a bad thing to support things unless you support the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> you know? But it's not a bad thing. But I want to see, is there anything that you walk around with that lets you know you're a born-again believer. And what I'm hoping, you know, I'm really hoping, and I'm hoping I'm going to get a kickback on this, that you're all going to be convicted and you're going to walk past the bookstore and buy Witness (laughs) T-shirts. But think about it. You know, our our burnt offering team, they'll be out there for Family Fun Day. And we got some of them in here. Where's your hats? Hold the hat up. A lot of them got hats that say Jesus. Very simple. Very simple. Doesn't say Calvary Chapel says Jesus. I want to challenge you. Be marked for Jesus Christ. And you'll see on the screen, Lord, may I live my life as a marked follower for you. 47, verse 47, I mean, chapter 47 goes on Joseph went and told Pharaoh, my father and brothers, with their flocks and herds and everything they own have come from the land of Canaan and are now in Goshen. He chose five of his brothers and presented them before Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked the brothers, what is your occupation? Now, do you think the brothers were saying, "Ah, maybe I'll say I'm a banker or something? Your servants are shepherds, they said, they replied to Pharaoh, just as our fathers were. They also said to him, we have come to live there a while because the famine is severe in Canaan and your servants' flocks have no pasture. So now, please let your servants settle in Goshen. You know, see, and who had also started this, right? Joseph already set the the table, right? Pharaoh said to Joseph, your father and your brothers have come to you And the land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best part of the land. Let them live in Goshen. And if you know any among them with special ability, put them in charge of my own livestock. It's even getting better. And we remember from two weeks ago, Pastor Bob shared with us how God had sent Joseph ahead to save his family and prepare a place for them. God's plan, right? A lot of people say, "Well, his brothers just pulled a fast one." But God had set this table right here. God was fulfilling His promise and settling Jacob's family in the land. Notice that Jace, Jacob took five of his brothers. In Scripture, five is a meaning for grace, and we see here that Joseph doesn't bring up his brothers' flaws to Pharaoh. And Bob had talked about that also. No, he says. This is my family, and that's what the Lord will do with us. Jude 24 tells us, you'll see on the screen, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. 47, 7 says, Then Joseph brought his father Jacob in and presented him before Pharaoh, After Jacob blessed Pharaoh, and Pharaoh asked him, How old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The years of my pilgrimage are 130. My years have been few and difficult, and they do not equal the years of the the pilgrimage of my fathers. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. So Joseph settled his father and his brothers in Egypt, And gave them property in the best part of the land, the district of Remus, as Pharaoh directed. Joseph also provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food according to the number of their children. We see here that Jacob's brief audience with Pharaoh is another aspect of the fulfillment of God's covenant. This promise has three parts. Multiplying Abraham's offspring, giving them the promised land, and blessing all of the families of the earth through them. But we see, how can Jacob bless Pharaoh? The Pharaoh is rich and sitting on his throne, but listen to this, but God is rich, but Jacob is rich in God's kingdom, correct? He had the true position of privilege. And that's us. As born-again believers, we have the greatest promise right now. I am often blessed <coughs> by going in and doing ministry in places that most people would not go. And when I go into these pretty dark areas, say, whether it's the prisons or the inner cities or the drug houses, wherever I go, every time I leave, I leave blessed more than those people that I minister to. Whether I'm feeding them food or feeding them the Word of God, I walk out of there like I'm a multimillionaire. And the reason I'm saying this is not because I'm super spiritual, believe me, that's not what I'm saying reason I'm saying that is when we serve those in need, we are blessed by God beyond what words can say. It's so important that we do this. You want to see God come alive in your life? Start serving others in need. And as we close out, I have one more scripture on the screen, Acts 20, 35. It says, in everything I did, I showed that this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's repeat that together, folks. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And the recap, if you could put up the recap, and we'll go down the, the six points quickly. We see here. That it says, never allow your emotions to block you from the powers of God. God is so good, always wanting to meet us in our place of weakness. Don't let fear keep you from living a fulfilled life with the Lord. Don't let the unknown future cause you to live in fear. Let God's presence in you help you to dispel fear. The greatest benefits of being a child of God is we can face life with confidence. And Lord, may I live my life as a marked follower for you. Father God, we thank you that you allow us to come through this piece of scripture, Lord. Such a powerful lesson for all of us. And Lord, I pray that those here that might have been touched by because they might not have a relationship, that personal relationship with you. They, they might know you. They might love you. They might have committed their lives to you, but yet they don't feel they have that personal relationship because they're trying to have a relationship simpler, similar to a friend or a loved one. Change that tonight in their lives. May they have that true relationship, personal relationship with you, Lord God. And Lord, those that struggle with fear, may these scriptures have bought them healing and deliverance from that tool of Satan. Because fear is not of God, it is of the enemy. So just heal those people. And Lord, as we leave here tonight, we ask that we leave that much closer to you. May we truly live our lives for you. And Lord, those that do have prodigals, I ask that you restore these broken relationships, the relationships that people might have with you, Lord God. And those people that have loved ones that are prodigals, may they not give up on them. May they continue to pray over them and know that it might be years. It might be tomorrow. But they will not give up until they truly do come to a relationship with you. So we love you, Lord, and we commit our lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And I just want to say thank you for all of you for coming here and blessing this church with your tithes and your offerings. And if you know we have boxes in the back or you can give through online, through the web, But we do appreciate all you do to help us do the ministry. And may you go in the power of Jesus Christ. God bless you all.